to John 9. We have been going through, uh, not walking, but more hopping through the book of John in our high school class uh, to get an overview and a concept of what the book is about. And so that brings us to chapter 9 today, so you guys get to share in that with us. So Jesus, uh, if you look at the end of 8, um, verse 58, Jesus is saying, says, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself Slipping away from the temple grounds. So Jesus is actually in Jerusalem. He's gone there for a feast. And he has just uh, been in some conversations with some Jewish leaders. And he's made them mad enough to where they want to kill him. And they pick up some stones. And somehow he gets away. And at the beginning of chapter 9, it says, As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. So Jesus walks out and he sees this man who's blind from birth. It may be the same day. It may be not. uh, We don't know. It's not clear. Regardless, he comes out. Here's this man who's not been able to see his entire life. This man has been confined to darkness in his sight. He's been able to hear. He's been able to walk. He's been able to communicate. I don't know how all those things happen. When I was in elementary school, we had three blind kids in our class, and we watched as they grew, and they taught them things and taught them how to function and survive and be independent. I don't know if that's the same thing that happened with this guy. Uh, I think some of it would be different later on. In the, in the passage, we see that he just sat outside and he begged. And so a lot of the tools maybe that we can get today, this guy didn't have access to. And this guy is trapped. And I don't know how many of you guys have been trapped physically in some sense um, this last year, starting last December, I started, I got up one day and I started feeling achy, uh, and I work out all the time. And at that time I was getting ready to try to, to compete in a bodybuilding contest. It was something I always wanted to do. And so I finally decided, I found one that I was going to, going to enter. And so I began to train for that. And I'd started training in the, in the September before, and I'd been training much harder than I usually do. Um, and I was, I was lifting heavy five days a week and I was running on top of that and doing a lot of things. So I got up and I started to feel real achy. And my arms hurt, my elbows hurt, my chest hurt, and things began to get worse. And so I went to the doctor, they ran some tests, and they gave me some medicine uh, for an infection. They gave me an antibiotic that was uh, like 500 milligrams, and I would take it twice a day. And I took that for two months. And I did not get any better. In fact, I got worse. I got to where I couldn't hardly walk. My knees hurt. Everything hurt. And for nine months, I lived with this pain. I have no idea what happened. I went to multiple doctors. They ran multiple tests. Uh, they tested me for all kinds of infections and arthritis things and cancer. You name it, they tested it, and then they didn't have an answer. And for me, it was very difficult because I was having to take time off from the gym. I was very fatigued all the time. And that, that's, that's not how I live. That's not how I function. I love working out. I love being in shape and all those things. Um, and I wasn't able to do that. And it wasn't a thing where I, I was hurt and I had to, I had to rest uh, to repair things. It wasn't a, a thing where they could tell me an answer and give me something to fix it. I was stuck. And I would wake up every day thinking, I am stuck inside this box that's not working and I can't fix it. And no one else can fix it. Now this guy, multiply that by I don't know how many, and that's what this guy was living. I just got to experience just a small piece of probably what was going on with this guy. So he is blind from birth. And in verse 2 it says, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And so we get this idea at this time there must have been a thought process of physical limitations going along with sin. If we go back to John 5, Jesus heals the man at the pool of Bethesda. He goes in, asks him if he wants to get well. He tells him to get up and pick up his mat and walk out. So the man gets up and he walks out. And he doesn't get to talk to Jesus. But later that day, Jesus comes up to him and begins to share with him a little more about who he is. 
And he tells him, he says, go and don't sin anymore or your condition may be worse than it was uh, than it was before. You may be in a worse position if you go out and do something else than what you were before I healed you. And so that could be communicating the idea that the man who'd been there at the pool for 38 years crippled, it could have been something that he had done in his life, a sin that he had committed that had caused this physical limitation, which practically for us today, there are things that we can do that will cause us physical limitations. There are decisions that we can make that will affect us the rest of our life. They will affect us physically the rest of our lives. I have a friend, his name is Rob Smith. Uh, we grew up together. We played baseball together. We went to school together. And I grew up in Amarillo. We moved down here, and uh, Rob had moved down here, and I hadn't seen him in four or five years. And he was going to chiropractic school, and uh, it was Super Bowl last year. Rob had gone to a party, and Rob got drunk that night, and Rob was driving home drunk. And Rob flipped his car and was thrown out of the car, and the car landed on top of him. Uh, and it crushed his vertebrae, and it landed from, I think, his chest up and just crushed him. He was in a, in a coma for over a month and is now confined to a wheelchair. Obviously, there are things that we can do. There are decisions that we can make. There are things that we can do that are sin that can affect us physically for our life. That's very clear. Jesus is clear about that. This case, however, is not the case. Just because you are limited physically, just because you have some kind of limitation, does not mean that you have sinned. And in this case, Jesus is clear. He says, neither this man nor his parents sinned and uh, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as, um, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So Jesus is clear. Nobody sinned in this case. However, this man is in this condition for me to use. This man's been blind since birth for Jesus to come in and do what he's about to do. Now, this is really cool. In verse 6, having said this, he spat or spit on the ground and made some mud with saliva and put it on the man's eyes. How cool is that? You're blind from birth. This guy walks up, spits in the ground, makes some mud and slaps it on your face and rubs it around. All right. Excellent. And in verse 7, he says, go. He told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home seen. This is the only incident where Jesus heals somebody and he requires them to do some type of action before it takes place. Obviously, when he heals the man at the pool, he says, get up and walk. He gets up and gets his mat and he walks. This is the only time that this, that this happens when Jesus does something and says, go do this, then you're going to be healed. That's wrong. There's actually one that has leprosy and he goes and he washes and he comes back. So I'm sorry, I just lied to you. I read that in a commentary yesterday, and I went, oh, yeah, and then I realized right now, boop, that's wrong. So, anyway, so he tells him to go and wash, so he goes and does this, washes off, and it says he came home seen. This miracle is more than just this man was able to see. The man goes to the pool, he does what Jesus says, he washes off, and he goes home functioning as somebody who could see always. I had a friend in college, his name was Stan Britton, and Stan had a lazy eye. We called Stan cross-eyed Stan. He knew it. It was great. Um, Stan actually wanted to be our quarterback on our football team, and we said, no, Stan, I don't think you can see straight. Let's not do that. And so we didn't do that. Regardless, Stan, right before we graduated, was about to get married and decided that he was going to have a surgery, a procedure to fix his eye. And 
he went in, had the surgery done, and I went to Stan's office. He was a recruiter at that time. I went into his office and sat down to talk to him to see how it went. And as I sat down, I looked at Stan, and I had a lot of trouble looking at him because I had always focused on the right eye, and now Stan had two eyes looking straight at me. And it was very confusing. And so I had to look away for a minute as we talked. But Stan started telling me about what happened. He said, you know, they went and fixed it. They woke me up. And as they tested him, they said, you know, they were letting him look at things, and they said, well, is it straight? Is it clear? And Stan goes, I don't know. Because Stan had never seen that way before. All he'd ever known was the way that he had to focus and look at things. And he'd never, he'd never seen it physically the way that it was supposed to be. So he had no idea if he was seeing it correctly or not. There was a movie uh, in, the, in, I think, 99 or 98 called First Sight uh, with Val Kilmer. And he was a blind guy and they fixed his sight. And he had to go through a real rehabilitation process of learning what things were and being able to, to uh, conceptualize things and touch things and to focus and all those things. Because he'd never been able to see. The movie goes on, regardless about the movie, forget it. But they had to learn these things. They, they weren't able to, to, to know for sure, am I looking at this straight, am I actually seeing this? This man goes, he washes his eyes, and it's finished. He's done. He doesn't go through a rehab process. He's not confused about what he's seeing. I'm healed, I'm walking, I'm seeing. This man is totally different. And it says that he goes out. It says, verse 8, His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. And so he walks back and these people who have known him and known the condition he's been in, some of them maybe for his entire life, some of them look and say, Wow! This man's healed. This is amazing. This guy can now see. Others look at him, and he's so much different that they look at this guy and they go, no, he just looks like that guy. He's got one of those faces, and he just, he just looks like him. How many of you guys have one of those faces? A few of you may. I've got one of those faces. And I think one of, the, one of these days it's going to come back to haunt me. And I don't mean like people go, hey, you look like so-and-so. When I first moved to Oklahoma, uh, I'd been there for one week, and I had to play on the softball team much like what they did to me here when I moved to Rockland. They required that I played on the softball team the first year I was here. And so, out there, second week I'm there, I go out on the softball field, and uh, I walk out, and I'm playing shortstop, and the ump walks up to me, and begin, he calls me by name, not Case, he calls me by another name, and begins to talk to me as if we know each other. And I go, Whoa, I'm sorry, I don't know you. And he was like, no, you're so-and-so, you're so-and-so's brother. I watched you play baseball like three months ago, at this high school, I was like, no, man, I'm from Texas. I'm sorry. And so I've got one of those faces. That's what they're doing this guy. He just looks like that guy. That's not him. He, this guy is so different that some people go, that can't be the same guy. He just looks like him. I want you to hang on to that for a minute. Go down to verse 13. After all this, they ask him some questions. He tells them, tells them what happened, tells them who did it, tells them about the mud. In verse 13, it says, They brought him to the Pharisees, the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. The man replies, He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. So we, we see this uh, go throughout the Gospels. Jesus has this problem when he will heal somebody. It happens to be on the Sabbath when you're not supposed to do any work. And the Pharisees are upset. And this is the, kind of one of the uh, routes they take on 
arguing with him and, and causing problems. Interesting, though, if you go back what we read to start with in chapter eight, Jesus is arguing with these guys and he makes them mad enough that they pick up stones and they're ready to kill him. Now, if in case Jesus leaves this place and goes and sees the blind man, it's the, it could be the same day. And so the argument these Pharisees make is that you healed a man on the Sabbath, which is wrong. However, it's possible that these are the same guys who maybe on the Sabbath picked up rocks and broke it themselves to slaughter Jesus. Interesting, huh? It's funny how sometimes we will look at other people, look at situations, and we'll be really quick to call out that they are wrong. We'll be really fast to judge. And we don't take the time to, to look at ourselves and evaluate when, in fact, a lot of the times when we do that, we realize, my goodness, I am a bonehead. That's a side note. That one was free. The joke's really overused. I'll try not to do that again, ever. So, regardless, here's the problem with the Sabbath. Verse 15, therefore, the Pharisees also asked, asked him how he received his high. Oh, I'm sorry. We already read that. Excuse me. Uh, but others asked, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided. Finally, they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your it was your eyes. He opened the man replied. He is a prophet. Verse 18. The Jews still did not believe they had been blind and received sight until they sent for the man's parents. And so they get to the point where, you know what? Maybe this guy really wasn't blind. Maybe this whole thing is a hoax. Let's go get mom and dad and make sure the guy's blind. Uh, so they, they bring him. Um, excuse me, I need to turn my page back. Uh, verse 19. Is this your son, they asked. Is this the one that you say was born blind? How is it that he can see? Verse 20. We know he is... Uh, how he can see, how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of Jews, and already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. What great parents. Huh? Okay, go get mom and dad. Let's make sure he's blind. Is this your son? Absolutely. Was he blind to start with? Yes, he was. He can see now. How did this happen? I don't know. Ask him. It's none of my business. He's old enough to take care of himself. I'm out of this. When I read this passage, I actually considered doing a parenting thing rather than uh, rather than this whole passage together. And then I remembered that I only have a three year old. And you don't need to learn from me. So regardless, um, Again, very bad parenting. I mean, really, if you're a parent, please support your kids in some things, honestly. But these people are so afraid. Uh, they're afraid to be put out of the synagogue. Uh, two, two different kind of kind of banishings. There was a 30 day. You get kicked out. You can go through a cleansing process or there was a final. You are done. You're excommunicated from the synagogue. You don't get to be involved anymore. You're you're over. And so these people are afraid of being thrown out and they say, let him handle it. None of our business. And so, verse 24, second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. Now, this is really cool. Now, this is a guy, remember, at this point, he's blind. All he knows is some guy named Jesus came up, rubbed some mud in my eyes. Now I can see. That's it. I didn't have a conversation with him afterwards. I don't have a full concept of who this is yet. All I know is that this man came and fixed something that nobody else could fix. And I've been stuck in this box, and I'm no longer stuck. 
Verse 25, he replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. The one thing I do know is that I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked, what did he do to you? Uh, how did he open your eyes? Verse 27, he answered, I have already told, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly men, or the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a, uh, a born blind man or a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. This man has been impacted enough by Jesus. He's been changed enough by Jesus. That even when his parents will not stand and support. He will still stand and say, even not having a full concept yet of who Jesus is but will stand and tell what he knows that is true. And for that it cost him, because they throw him out of the synagogue. Now, whether that was a, a full-time banishment or not, I, I have no idea. But this is the only guy who's not scared enough to step out and go, this is what I know, and this is what I know is true. It goes on. Um, Jesus hears about that he's thrown out. Uh, he, he goes and finds him and he talks to him. At the end of the conversation, in verse 38, uh, after Jesus tells him who he is, the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. This man kind of walks through a process of learning about Jesus and this truth. And he gets to, gets to the end, um, kind of this experience. And we see that he's been impacted so much, he's been changed so much, that he goes out and he worships Jesus as God. Regardless of what that cost him. This is a great picture. Such a great illustration of, of what we are and, and who we are um, in our sin. Jesus, uh, in, <clears throat> in chapter 8, verse 12, says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, uh, but will have the light of life. And then again, back in chapter 9, we read it earlier in verse 5. He says, I am the light of the world. Both times he's making this illustration. Jesus was an amazing illustrator. Partially because he was God and he was able to heal people and, and use that and do an illustration, do miracles, so he's a lot better than we are. Regardless, amazing illustrator. He's talking about, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you're not going to walk in darkness. And he goes and he heals a man who's living in darkness who can now see. And it's a great picture of where we are in sin and where we are before we know Jesus. Because we are stuck. We are trapped in a dark box. And the only way out is following Jesus. I need you to, to imagine something with me. This is going to be fun. We're going to play like we're in third grade. I need you to imagine that we're all in a dark room. I need you to imagine that it's a little darker than what it is right now. Okay, you're really going to have to imagine so, we're all in this dark room. You can't see anything. Got it? Don't close your eyes. Cause you need to see so, you're in a dark room. Now, here's the scenario. We are all in the... There we go. We're all in this dark room. And we have to get out. 
There's a Christmas tree. We have to get out. Do not look at the Christmas tree. If you can't get out of here, you're going to die. There's no food. There's no water. There's no way to survive. That's it. We're here. We're stuck. We're done. Okay. However, we got a light. Okay. Now, if there weren't exit signs, you wouldn't know where the exits were. Now, imagine that this light is actually going to lead away. Hey, I got a light. I'm going to lead us to a door. And that door is going to lead us out of this room. So we're not going to die. Here's what I see today. I see some people who sit in the chairs and they're in the dark room and they look and they see the light. And those who are part of the postmodern movement say, that's a light. Cool. In fact, that may be a good light. That light very well could lead you out that door. It probably will. But I have a different light. It looks a little different. It acts a little different. But it's leading me out the door. And so they sit and they don't follow the light out the door. The generation that I work with, those who, those who struggle, who have not accepted these things that question and, and don't agree with who Jesus is, look at the light. And it's not even a, if that works for you, great. Guys, our, our nation, I believe, is moving to a state where they look at the light and they go, I don't even care. I don't even care. I'll sit in the dark room and I'll die. It doesn't matter. I do not care. There are others who see the light and they go, yes, that is the light. I believe that is the only light that's going to lead me out of this dark room. In fact, I see it moving. There it goes. It's going out the door. Yes, that is the way I believe in that. Absolutely. And they sit in their chair. And for some reason, they believe that is actually leading out the door. Their thought process, their belief that that light is true. There it goes. Woohoo! And they'll even cheer it on. Go, go, go. I think the only ones, obviously, in this illustration, the only ones who actually put their faith, put their allegiance in the light will stand up and they will follow the light out the door. And they are the only ones, you can turn the lights back on, they are the only ones who truly experience that, who truly experience that that freedom, the salvation, the escape from the dark box. Some of us are totally cool with the light thing. Absolutely, Jesus is the light. I believe that. You believe that Jesus is God, God's Son. He came to die for us. Fantastic. I need to believe in Him. Here we go. And you sit in your chair and you don't move. Yes, we have to believe that Jesus is who He is. Absolutely. You have to conceive that in your mind and buy into it. Absolutely. But the way that you practically live that out, the way that you actually do those things, that you actually open your Bible and spend time on your own with God, that you actually sit down and pray and talk with God, that you will go to your workplace and that you will share about Jesus with those around you. 
regardless of what that costs you. That you will treat people differently. When you are wrong, that you will, you will realize and you will make an effort to know that I believe in Jesus. I'm a follower of Christ. I have to treat this situation differently. When you get cut off on the highway, that you're not going to pull up and give them the bird and maybe swerve at them. I didn't do that this weekend. When you're that angry that you're going to back off because I'm a follower of Jesus, I have to live differently. When we are doing those things, we are actually practically putting our faith in Christ in our allegiance with Him, and we are doing what He has called us to do. When we don't, when we simply come in, sit down, say, yeah, raise our hands, and do nothing different, more than likely we have not put our faith in Jesus. And we have not followed the light. And we are still sitting in darkness just like this man. Challenge for us all. Can we be changed so much by Jesus that those who see us afterwards can look at us and go, that's not the same guy, he just looks like.